out my notes. My notes on nonsense, which is what we're doing today. We're literally doing a lot of nonsense today. Mike, you're going to hate this podcast because I'm going to ask you some proper first take sports questions. <laughs> I'll, become, I'll become Jamie O'Hara for you, don't worry yeah, about that. Excellent work. Okay. Uh, hello, welcome back to the In Around podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Will Hunter. Join me this week, like every week, is sports media's number one. Number one. End ups to Lisa and something else, correspondence, Mr. Mike Breslin. Hello, everyone. It's a little less funny now being the number one Joel Linton correspondent. Now there's quite a lot of them. Do you want to pick another shit player? I'll find one. And then you can sort of like pick up that agenda. Okay. Kaladu Koulibaly, perhaps? (laughs) Well, no, because I called him out before he signed. Well, when he signed, didn't I? So that was my only correct take career on the pod. (laughs) Yeah, one for 90. Um, probably that's kind, actually. Um, and also here is Pod Ross, Mr. Ross Bird. Good evening. Good evening to you too. Um, it wasn't a good evening for uh, our mate Uno yesterday, was it? Um, <laughs> tough for Villa, tough for Villa. Um, what was the score in that game? Uh, that 2-1, one, Stevenage. Yeah, at home, Villa. Yeah, it was tough. Incredible. I've really seen really some Villa fans later, so there's some ammo for me. Good stuff. Um, Dave's not here. Um, do you want to know what happened to him? <laughs> right, so um, he got in his car to go to uh, uh, a zoo with a lot of snakes in it. And he just crashed his car because he's a shit driver. So he's recovering from that. Um but yeah, so we've got lots to get through this week, but we're going to start off with a with an actual like, quick topic and then we're not going to spend an hour and 40 minutes on it like we did last week. Um, yeah. Um, who's the... I want... Let's try and work out the top five worst co-commentators on, on TV. Okay? Yes, this is prompted by Jermaine Genus doing the Chelsea game and I'm like, Genus is bad. Is he, is he top five worst? I don't think he's in my top five. BBC reckon he's their number one, Cocom. He did oh, the World Cup final, so. Honestly, why are we paying a licence fee? Like, <laughs> okay. I'm going to so, throw out... I'll tell you why we're paying a licence fee. If, if, if you've seen The Traitors on BBC, what a show. I haven't. Okay. Isn't, it just lo- isn't it just Love Island for middle class people? I mean, yeah, it's kind of like the castle version. It's like, it's like SAS Who Dares Wins without the Who Dares Wins part. Isn't it like the saboteur that was on CBC back in the day? Yeah, it's kind of like that. Why oh, is it really like trapped? Yeah, a little bit. That's it, that's trapped, as it was called, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. That's trapped. a fucking elite show, I'll tell you that much. Put that on HBO, give it some real production values. <laughs> okay, top five worst commentators. I'm gonna throw out a name. And this is co-commentators, so we're not talking Fletch. <laughs> who is who is it? <laughs> If we're doing it, uh, Chris Sutton. He's in my top five. He's awful. Who does less He's games? Chris, Chris Sutton. Martin Keown. Oh, come on, Mike. You listen to him. Mark yeah, no, Keown. no, Keown's not Mark's good. Mike's throwing in Keown. Mike's throwing in Keown. Yeah, Keown. I'm getting a notebook out for this because I've got a feeling we need to. I'd also have Danny Murphy in there. Oh, oh good choice. D Murphy. Um, how far back can we go for these? Because Phil Neville oh, did this. Current, work, current working. Okay. Current working. Oh, um, been in. I've got Savage. Uh, yeah, I don't like Savage. But is he top five? Unless, unless his son comes on and then it's gold. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, Lee Dixon. Oh, Dixon. Dixon is strong. He was really tough at the World Cup. He was really bad. Um, This is going to be unpopular. Carragher. He's not top five worst. Well, I'll put his name down. I don't think. I get what you're saying. You can give him the old HM honourable mention if you want. But he's he's not. We're going to write down some names and then we're going to talk to things. I've got another scouser, McManaman. No, I th- I'm all right with him. Yeah, I am too. You, you two are clueless. That's how bad Fletch is, that McManaman looks like gold next to him. Oh, Fletch is so bad. I can't <laughs> believe he's beat his number one guy. When you, get the, when you get the big Champions League night and it's Fletch and McManaman, you're like, fuck it. Oh, get again. out. <laughs> again? Where are we? How Where can BT not... Oh, Oh, I'm not having it. Glenn Hoddle is leagues ahead of these. Like, I mean, no, no, I like Glenn Hoddle. I just, a lot of people don't seem to. Well, the thing is with Glenn Hoddle, as long as you can stand, he likes you. <laughs> he was, I think it might have been BT, where he was like the third commentator. Did anyone watch? Yeah, he does it with, with Fletch and um, McManaman, doesn't he? That's a tough trio, that is. Have you ever seen, I'll always appreciate Glenn Hoddle, because there was an England game many years ago where uh, uh, they were sort of like, it got rained off and they were stood in the tunnel. ITV occasionally had people from the, the stadium come and talk to them. I can't remember who Glenn Hoddle was doing it with, but the guy was like, is there any chance of maybe getting them, basically was saying, is there any chance of getting a move on? And Glenn Hoddle was just like, well, it'd be quicker if he wasn't stood here talking to us. <laughs> Always appreciate Glenn Hoddle for that. Um, okay. Has Redknapp ever done it? Surely not. Yeah. Nah, I don't think Well, if that. we do a, a top five worst um, studio pundit segment, we'll like, he's next. number one on that we'll list, that I'm telling you. Okay, so Genus, Keown, Murphy, Savage, Dixon, Carrigan, McManaman. Who are we dropping from that list? I don't feel good about McManaman. I'd have think. McManaman and Carrigan out of the top five. I, th- I think, yeah. Okay, so our top five. That Genus, Keown, Murphy, Savage, Dixon, or Sutton. We've got one more we can drop. It's a pretty tough run on the BBC, isn't it? I would save Martin Keown. Just because Martin Keown has given us moments. He's my number one. Is he is really? the worst. No, so Danny Murphy is terrible. Danny Murphy, they're, Mur- they're one and two for me. No, A, G- A and B, A, B. See, I hate Gene. I hate listening to Genus that much. I've got Genus out of the top five. No, Genus is too bad. Genus is, ju- Genus is abysmal. But, wait, but when you listen to someone like Murphy, he really isn't. I don't that, think. that happened to me during the World Cup. I listened to Danny Murphy and was like, wow, JJ's not as bad as I thought I he think, was. Exactly. I think Dixon... He's definitely in. I mean, he, he's not helped by Matterface, to be fair. Because he's are we taking, I mean... I hate Genius more in. than I hate Savage. <sighs> yeah, I, I could I, drop Robbie out of that. But I could also drop JJ. I feel like they're the two. I'd on rather the I'd rather Savage is in the top five worse than Genus. But. No, but you see, Genus Genus calls all these all the Spurs players by their first name, and it's just really well. Spent. And now he started doing it to other teams too. He's what was he, he was doing the Chelsea game the other day, and he's like, um, he called Lewis Hall Lewis. I'm like, you don't know him like that. His manager doesn't know him like that. Like, what are you doing? Okay. JJ in, uh, no, JJ out, Savage in. That's what I'm saying. That's tough. If it was top five worst one show contributors, I think Genius is in there. 
Um, okay, so top five: Sutton, Keown, Murphy, Savage, Dixon. Are we going to do a top five best co commentators? No, I'm not interested in the best. Only negativity from here on out. Top five worst studio pundits. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm off on one now. I, uh, I'm, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank. He's Jimmy awful. Floyd is He's in. Bad, thank Jimmy you. Floyd is in. Um, red nap. Red nap. Red nap is in. A, a big booking as well. Red nap always there. Danny Murphy. <laughs> are we are we double dipping with Danny Murphy? Because he, he was really does match bad. Of the day and stuff, so I don't yeah, really watch really him that much anymore. Really bad on match of the day when I saw Yeah, him. I'm sure he, he is. Really bad. Just... Yeah, I mean he's he's a, he's a perennial relegation candidate when he played, and it's kind of the same when. <laughs> Pundit commentary sort of thing, isn't that's, it? A lot of appearances as well, yeah. It's funny. Lads, I'm going to need you to walk with me on this one. I think she's pretty good. If we say Alex Scott, it opens us up to a whole new audience of listeners. <laughs> I'm not sure we want them, but it does. I like Alex Scott. I like Alex Scott. I, I also like her. Um, who else? Uh, Chris, uh, Chris Sutton. Yeah, yeah Sutton's got to be on both. You shouldn't be on TV or radio. <laughs> Robbie Savage? Just for flex. Uh, no. Yeah, I don't like uh, him either. Clinton Morrison. Oh, yeah. Wait, Soccer Saturday is barely watchable now. Clinton Tim Sherwood. Clinton Morrison. Sh- oh, I forgot Tim there. Sherwood was on that. Sherwood in there. He's terrible too, yeah, I mean. Sherwood. Have you seen the clip from Soccer Saturday where they pan to one of the one of the reporters at the ground and they, and they go and he's kicked the ball and <laughs> it's gone in the goal <laughs> so it's 1-0 so are we doing just studio pundits or are we doing radio pundits too because well, that opens just, up the uh, that gets us Gabby Wait, I mean it'd be a talk sport clean sweep if we do that so we probably Jason should stay clear of that Okay, that's a good top five. Floyd, Redknapp, Sutton, Clinton, Morrison, and Sherwood. The worst thing is, if you watch a Sky game, you're guaranteed to have Redknapp, and you're probably really? if it's a Chelsea game, you're getting Jimmy Floyd as well. Which, like, we've got, like honestly, we need Lampard to give up on his managerial career just so we can get some good punditry on Chelsea. I, games. I liked him. I liked him when he. It was good. I need more Joe Cole. I wish Sky had like Joe, Joe Cole. Cole. Why is he on BT, man? If we're doing a top five. Joe Cole's in there just for the vibes. Like Joe Cole's not giving you the most detailed tactical analysis, but he just loves the game of football. And you know what, Joe? I'm with you. I'm, not sure I'm just not interested in tactical analysis. <laughs> Welcome to this podcast. It's a good job. Yeah. I'm just not interested in it. <laughs> okay, cool. Right. Little thing to get us warmed up. Now we can get into the real meat of the uh, equation. Ross, I'm going to play you something. Okay. Once I can find it. Is this that, um, the, uh... This is a minute 30 of Sol Campbell's appearance on GB News. Oh, no. Um, when it comes to honours lists, uh, if it comes to, like, um, a popularity kind of contest, um, you know, it, there's a lot of people unpopular who have SIRs, OBEs, and MBEs. Um, and if you look at what I've done and what I've gone through uh, playing football in a consistency over the course of two decades um, under severe pressure in, in football, in a football sense, I'm up with the with, with some of the sporting grades of, uh, of our country. I'm a proud you know, Englishman. I've done a lot of football on and off the field for racism, 
Um, and also, I'm not even talking about the records. I've I've acquired playing playing football uh, for my country and, and and domestic, you know, Tottenham and Arsenal. So, um, Ross, where do you stand on the idea that Sol Campbell should have a knighthood? Uh, I don't agree. Um, <laughs> but he, since he's retired, he's just spent his his whole post football career just telling people what he's done and how good he was. Like why he should have been captain of England. I'm like, no, David Becker was captain of England and he should have been captain of England. <sighs> I, I will say that. I think oh, was... what, by the way, late late nomination for worst in studio pundits as well. Sol Campbell was atrocious. Yeah, but he's given us an iconic moment with, I think, France. So yeah, that is true. Oh, and the, uh, the Arsenal win the game. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a factor as well. Uh, Arsenal, the Arsenal. <laughs> FA Cup final, Wembley, win the game. Enjoy the game. Yeah, but if we're doing that, Keown's got to be off solely for old people die. <laughs> or when he threatened to put Jake Humphreys in the ground. That was so good. Top five bad presenters. Humphreys. He's got it. Jake, he's won it. Mike, you were saying something about Sol. Yeah, I was just going to say, I don't, firstly, I don't know why he cares so much about a knighthood because no one actually cares about those. But but secondly, um, I did, back when he was doing the whole managerial thing, I did f- think he was quite unfairly treated. He did a pretty good job near enough wherever he went and never seemed to get an upgrade on his next job. He always had to go down again. Yeah. And there was, there's only so, so far Sol Campbell's going down. He'd, he'd be in the Isthmian League by now if he'd have carried on. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a fair <laughs> point and there's definitely something there. 100% not to make light of the situation, but don't, do, but it, you, do you think the fact that Sol Campbell is a bellend, for lack of a better term, <laughs> has also hurt his job chances because that's one of the, we have seen it all the times with managers when they're particularly abrasive, take Thomas Tuchel, for example, it can affect their job prospects. Yeah. I mean, you have to be, you have to be like Thomas Tuchel where you're just a genius tactician and et cetera to, or Conte, for example, where you piss everyone off for two years, you, you might win something and then you move on. There's a certain style, but you have to be, Essentially, you have to be top five in the world to be able to do that, which Sol Campbell obviously wasn't because he was managing Burton and Macclesfield or whoever it was at the time. But I do think there was something to that as well, that he never got looking for some better jobs. But anyway, Sol Campbell, whenever he makes the news, it's always an enjoyable bit of content, isn't it, to be fair? (laughs) Saw that the other day, thoroughly enjoyed it. You'd have thought he'd never played for England as well, if you listened to him. He's got 73 caps. No, he was a great player for Arsenal, so I don't really... Uh... What What does it take also, to get a knighthood? left Spurs on a free to join Arsenal. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a tough thing to me. Does that come into the thinking for the knighthood? They're at the river, they're like, well, he crossed North London. Yeah, and if, if he's willing to cross that divide, we can't possibly give him a knighthood. <laughs> do we seriously think he should have one? Uh, I don't. No. No. How, many, how many ex-football players have them? Well, why would, why would Sol Campbell have a knighthood when players like 
Lampard and Gerrard to pick two off the top of my head don't have a knighthood. I mean, they've got OBEs and MBEs, and maybe Sol Campbell's got a point at that point. But it just seems a little weird to go out and start talking about it. Few players hurt their legacy more by opening their mouth than Sol Campbell. Yeah, I mean, what you want to do is is just get get it given to you without you having to go on some media tour, you know? It's probably not the best way to be awarded a knighthood if you are going to get one. He obviously feels that hard done by that he has to come out and, and speak about these things. But... I, like, I like that he chose, I mean, it... like he thought to himself, you know what is going to really go well? Criticising the royal household. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's, the one, that's the place to do it. I mean, if he doesn't have an MBE or OBE or whatever, I mean, surely you should have one of those. I don't. Yeah, I think he probably should. I mean, I mean, it's all irrelevant, and it's just definitely. But... Uh, I mean, yeah. And I, uh, I mean, if it's if it's something like that that he cares about, I mean, honestly, who cares about them? I just thought who it was really, cares? I just thought it was really funny because I was just sort of looked at. It, I'm like, Sol Campbell, like a brilliant player who f- future generations will not know because he spent the last like 20 years being a cock. Yeah. Shame because he was a good player, but there you go. Great Scored Arsenal's goal in the Champions League final, didn't he? I think in 06. You're asking me, and Mike? I think so. I'm not asking you. I, I, I think should you probably... might be right. But... He scored a header. He scored a header from a corner. Okay. There you go. I can't tell you who scored yours. Yeah, for, yeah, of course, you know that. Yeah. Giuliano Belletti. Oh, that was a tough game. Best Christ. goal in his career after that one he scored against Wigan for us. <laughs> Anyway, um, speaking of royals, uh, what did you all think of the the Prince Harry interview? Good stuff, wasn't it? Were you surprised by a rich posh bloke doing cocaine? So shocked, couldn't yeah. believe it. I mean, I've seen I've seen that in Turtle Bay down in Tommy <laughs> Hill, so it does not shock me at all. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I mean, I haven't watched the interview. I couldn't care much less about this, but no, it, that I, part definitely doesn't shock me. I've only brought, brought this up to bring up my favourite tweet of the week, which is um, the guy who did the interview is uh, with Harry is Tom Bradby. Um, some people have been mis- mistweeting it and saying Tom Brady. We <laughs> <laughs> got this image, and they were like, "I'm like Tom Brady coming out after getting his win with the Bucks, and he's just been asked all these questions, and he's just like, well, I'm not talking about the game. I'm here to talk about Harry.' <laughs> <laughs> that was sweet, anyway. Okay, should we do an actual football topic, even if it is a bit uh, first take? Go on. Right, so Gareth Bale's retired. Oh, yeah. Good player. Cracking player. Time to go, though, as we covered on this podcast, I think. Um, yep. A... You, AJ Tracy as well, I always want to say it, but is it AG? AJ? AJ? AJ, AJ. Good, good AJ. music. I never know how to say the first one. I always sound like a weirdo. Anyway, um, he tweeted that Bale is the best British footballer of all time. I don't think he is. I don't think he is. Why not, man? Find there him. has to have been better players than him. Uh, I don't know. Five Champions Leagues. Yeah, but we can go on accolades, but let's. We're talking about a player here, aren't we? Yes. There's a lot of people that I would rather have had in my team than Gareth Bale, and I, I think he's a brilliant footballer 
um, yeah, clearly Wales' best ever player. I mean, going on, going along the, not just to do the whole accolade thing, I mean, the Champions League speak for themselves, but at, you're talking about telling contributions in two massive Champions League finals. I mean, he's got an iconic goal in the Copa del Rey. I mean, you talk about, he was excellent in the league for a bit for them. He was unplayable when he was at Spurs at the end. I mean, and he dragged Wales to Euro 2016 semi-final. I mean, this, I don't, I agree with you, Mike, but when I first saw it, people were reacting like that's a ludicrous claim. I don't actually think that's a ludicrous claim in terms of like sheer talent at their peak. I don't think there's, he would be, you'd have to have the discussion. I definitely don't think it's ludicrous. I think there's a there's a real argument for him, to be honest. And yeah, again, you'd have to really sit down and talk about this to work it out. But if I say best British player to you, Brett, who's the first one who pops into your brain? Harry Kane. I don't know. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'd have said like a Lampard or a Gerrard or a Scholes. That's what I'd have said. But I just think Bear was was. Not Gerard. I mean, let's, let's get him out of that. Uh, my but, first or, or even Bru- like George Best. I don't really know enough about George Best to make, make the claim for that. Well, neither do, no, but I haven't watched him, but everyone no. that watched him said he was uh, just unplayable, the guy. It's, I'm not going to do, I'm not going to touch that one or the Bobby Moore or the Bobby Charlton with a, with well, a, yeah, because you could go the there as well if you want. Because, but. because, I mean, they're playing a different sport. I know that people don't want to talk about it, but like it's the same when we, we did we, when you talk about Pele. With with all great respect to Pele, it, he's playing against a different caliber of opposition, so it's very unfair to rate his achievements versus the achievements of someone now. And I think it's the same for George Best when you talk about him. Thing, but if you're talking modern, my instant my brain instantly went to Wayne Rooney. That's where I would have gone. I think. But then I was sort of sat there going, is peak Rooney better than peak Bale? I don't think so, being honest. I think it's Bale, you know. But also, uh, what uh, was peak Rooney? I mean, Pete Rooney was, was unreal. I was going to say, he was pretty unplayable for a time as well. If people forget how good he was as well. Yeah, there is, there is really certainly a bit of that. But again, people weren't really. There'll be people like gushing of a uh, bail again now, but people have gone off him a bit as well, haven't they? To be fair. Well, that's the thing about Bale. Bale's got Bale's got a couple of seasons at the end that were, for lack of a better term, useless. And he wasn't. He, he, he wasn't. He wasn't, like, getting, he wasn't getting played for Madrid. To be fair, I don't know how much he's supposed to do about that. Yeah, but there's a reason he's not getting played. I mean, it, that still accounts to things, doesn't it? I mean. Rooney came, and also Bale came. Bale took a bit of a while to get going. Rooney came on the scene, an absolute fucking devil. Like, yeah. yeah. That's true. I, and Rooney played for long. It depends what you like. like we're, we're trying to compare primes, and the Rooney prime is probably harder to fart, pinpoint than Bale's. Yeah. But Rooney did also do it over a longer period. Like, yeah. What's Bale's peak? Is it that last season at Tottenham, first season at Madrid? Yeah, I'd I'd say I'd say early Madrid. Yeah, maybe late Tottenham. Probably a two or three year spell there. 
You're looking probably like 2012 to 15, 16, maybe. Cool. He was really good. I I don't know. It's hard. Yeah, I mean, Rudy's real peak was probably longer. I don't think this you can you really argue that. I think he's. Uh, we've talked when you remember when we did the the best players that played the Premier League, and we had Rooney, and we talked about Rooney for a long time. I still go back to that. Imagine if Rooney had been United's main man instead of having that bit where he had to sacrifice his game for Ronaldo. What? How? How? How does his place in the record books look? Like. If, it probably would look quite a lot different and a lot better, probably, as yeah. well. If the team was playing for him instead of for Ronaldo. Because Harry Kane, not to turn this into a Harry Kane slander fest, who, Harry Kane's having a great season except for missing a penalty in a World Cup quarterfinal. Thanks, Harry. Um, but he's about to pass some of Rooney's records. And under no circumstances do I think Harry Kane's a better player than Wayne Rooney. No circumstances. Like, no. and that sounds like a wild thing to say given all the goals he's got, but he's not unplayable in the way that Wayne Rooney was unplayable. I mean, he he, it's a bit messy Ronaldo-ish to me in that Harry Kane has the the stats, but if you watch them play, there is no doubt in your mind that you think that Rooney's a better player in all facets of the game. Totally agree. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I don't think that's. Well, I I didn't think the Messi Ronaldo thing was all that close, but I, no. I also don't think no. Rooney Rooney Kane is close either. Yeah, so what, I think what, about it, Bale gets. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, it has to be Rooney or Bale. It me. probably is those two, isn't it? Like modern era. Yeah. Well, no one else. I mean, oh, that's really difficult. It's really difficult because, it, when, particularly when you mention like when you talk about like people like more modern again, like Skulls and Lampard, Lampard's peak was second best player in the world and Skulls was peak was just an absolute midfield general. But you wouldn't say that they were like aliens like Bale and Rooney were. Like when you watch Bale and Rooney, they felt like someone had plucked them off. They, you may, any of you ever watched Space Jam? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They felt like the monsters. That's what they felt like. Well, I was watching some of Bale's like best Rudy's goals a bit today. Like Charles Barkley, by the way. And the, those late Spurs, Bale. Jesus, he was just unstoppable. Yeah, I remember some of the things like Champions League away at Inter, was it? Oh, crazy! Absolutely Man. crazy. You see, the game I always think about when I think about Gareth Bale is a really weird one. They're playing West Ham, and West Ham are two goals, I think, up, and they're like looking for the Champions League. I remember watching it going because we were in a race for the top four with them, thinking, "Fucking hell." Tottenham need to lose. This is a great loss. And Bale scores this hat-trick. And the final winner is this ridiculous one from, like, 35 yards. And I'm like, you just can't beat this guy. Like, you just can't beat him. Like, what are you supposed to do to stop him? Because you know, he's one of them. You know he's going left. Yeah. Like, long-range screamers that he scored. You just couldn't stop him. He just knocked it left. It's scary when you know where they're going and you still can't stop him. Like... That season is one of the iconic Premier League seasons, like that season by Gareth Bale, because he was, it was the same season where United won the league, Van Persie was excellent, Suarez had the one of the best Premier League seasons I've ever seen, 
and offers like the third kind of like banana was Gareth Bale, and he was just phenomenal. Like you just couldn't get near him. Like uh, I, I only saw one person lock him up that season. I only saw one person, and that and that says you everything. Who was it? Will Taylor. oh, it says I was Philip Quetta. My guess would have been Ivanovic. To be honest. <laughs> oh no, the dust of Ivanovic by that point. I had money on Ivanovic as well. Yeah. Ivanovic, you just put him in the fridge. Anyway, um, okay. I'm looking for my notes, as you can see, to remember what we need to talk about. Um, I wanted to talk about West Ham quickly. Uh, they're having a bad season. I mean, until they beat Brentford, um, they're only like a point above the relegation zone. So it's obviously not going well there, but I feel like not a lot's been made of it. Maybe that's just because I'm not running in West Ham circles, but I feel like when I think of the storylines in this Premier League season, they've sort of gone under the radar a bit. What do you guys make of it? Or are you quite aware of West Ham? I have been aware that they haven't been winning. Um, it is interesting they're that far down. But um, I, I think it's a less of a thing because I think the West Ham fans, are they're close to not being on side anymore, but Moyes gets some breathing room because of obviously the last couple of years that they've punched above their weight a bit, the run in Europe, all that stuff. Um, now, clearly, they've been spending a lot of money, but I think that gives him a bit of breathing space, although I think it's definitely getting to the stage now where, but I think he might be the favourite to be next manager to leave in the betting. Um <clears throat> I think he probably is starting to lose a bit of favour now, which is, and you'll start to see it getting talked about more, particularly if I don't know what their run of fixtures is. I think they might have an interesting run coming up uh, of games they would look at wanting to win. They've got Wolves, Everton. Oh, they've just got Wolves and Everton. Then it gets difficult. So, yeah, this is coming into, they've got to to get some points out of these games. Then after that, it's. It's uh, Newcastle away, Chelsea at home, Spurs three away. Three points there. Probably three points at Spurs, too. <laughs> They're definitely beating Chelsea. <laughs> we don't even know. Are we even playing that game? <laughs> Let's just give them the points now. Um, I can't yeah. be saying, well, I think given how badly they are doing it, it has been going a little more under the radar than it should have been. I mean, they're level of points with Everton. <laughs> Fuck no. And only but, one above Wolves. And only three points off the bottom. So... But, but also because you were expecting them to challenge for Europe, not Europe, Europe, other Europe. You're expecting them to like keep maintaining that pressure, particularly when you consider that the when they bought in the summer, like I'm thinking Paqueta and Skamaka, these were names, these were players that people were really excited to see them integrate and they were suggested as kind of a shift in style. But it hasn't really panned out. I mean, Paqueta looked pretty good in the World Cup, but he's looked pants for West Ham. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's not been used in quite the same way, the same position by by Moyes, and he, Moyes hasn't changed anything since he's come back from the World Cup and obviously watched him watched him play there for Brazil. Um, hasn't quite worked out for Skamaka either. He scored a couple, didn't he? Uh, it's, last it's, weekend, but. it's it it's interesting because it's not worked out for Skamaka, but he's sort of taken on the the. Starting birth, which means that Mikel Antonio 
has sort of like taken a bit of a backseat. I know he's had a few injuries and stuff. So it is weird because one of the ways that West Ham was so good in the past was that they played on the counter in many aspects. And they were quite an old school throwback. And Mikel Antony was a massive part of that. And they've sort of tried to, they've sort of mooch said, we're going to move it on by getting a new kind of personnel in. But they've retained a manager who is very good at what he does. But as we've seen when he goes to other clubs with bigger expectations and better players, the probably doesn't have the ability to play more expansively. Yeah, and it is the ghost of Mikel Antonio as well. This guy is not the same. No, that is true. The same guy from a couple of years ago. Um, and they don't want to end up in Leicester's situation where you've got Var- the ghost of Jamie Vardy, and who has, seems to have finally fallen off a cliff. And no one, re- despite their efforts, no one to replace him. They have at least tried with West Ham, although Skamaka hasn't quite fit in yet. I'm looking around the West Ham squad, and I can't name any of them who are having a good season. Well, Bowen's not been as good. Declan Bryce is the only one, probably, but he hasn't been... Well, he'd be the only one, but he's not been at his best not been for West quite Ham, as I don't good think. as he has no, recently. No, no. He wants to move. Let's get that, Let's get that done. <laughs> well, I mean, it's quite likely this is his last year at West Ham. <sighs> yeah, well, they've already said that they're going to listen to offers in the summer. Um, I just think... Where do where do West Ham go if Bryce leaves? I think that that squad's a pretty tough look look with the with that. Yeah, it, isn't it? They are sunk. Because I mean, and yeah, Antonio player like that. Finished, as you say, Suchek's <laughs> not been the same since that first season. He only really had that one season. Sufal as well has not been Sufal quite the same. Good. Well, the question was sort of on the way. The, the question is, how much money are you getting for Declan Rice? Because I don't. His contract. He's got. I think from this, it's two years in the summer, or is it a year? One of the two. So they haven't got the leverage they once had. So I think two years. I think if we're talking hundred, I think the talk of one hundred fifty millions off the table because if you look around the Premier League, most of them have sort of, most of them have got long-term solutions in the central defensive midfield role. Now, I mean, United do, City do. Liverpool do to an extent. Liverpool have got need to spend money elsewhere in that midfield. Arsenal have got Partey. There's yeah, not so many but, places he can go. But how many of them are better than Declan Rice? None. I don't. Well, that's a good question. But how many of them are 150 million worse than Declan Rice? Is the other question. Well, you're, you're not going to get 150 million at anything, are you? Well, how many of them are 100 million worse? Like if you're Arsenal, well, if, you, if you're coming out and asking me, if, money, if, if if you, if I'd like it, if Arsenal spent 100 million and we got Declan Rice, I would say we should do that. I think he's that good. And Partey's a good player too, but he's an upgrade for all those teams, no matter what, what you say, I think, pretty much. Yeah. Nah, he's, he's no upgrade of Casemiro, let me tell you. But, okay. I mean, I... He's it's the age thing, isn't there? He's what like. Let's let's get ahead. Let's get ahead of this too. He's not I'm wheeling Casemiro out there till he's 57. That's. Let's get ahead I mean, of this too gonna, before okay. before people are like, are you going to let this slide? He's not better than Rodri either. Well, no, no, Rod- yeah, yeah, yeah. Rodri, I, I <laughs> that, yeah. Rodri is a joke. Is what yeah. Rodri is. Um, yeah, but so where I mean, did they find that guy from? Atletico Madrid. They looked at him. He'd had like one season. They were like, he's good. We'll have him. 
And then yeah, they, they signed him. When they bought him, they were like, oh, he's not that. People weren't sure about him, weren't they? And then... No, I remember watching him for the first season. I'm like, this guy is... You'll have heard us on this podcast. A passenger. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, Liverpool would take him, though, as well. Yeah, I think the thing for Liverpool is... I mean, for me, how they want Here's the real. Here's the thing. Getting about, old as well. Here's the thing about Liverpool. Liverpool need major midfield surgery, but all the noise coming out of the club is that they haven't got them. They haven't got a lot of money, which makes the Cody Gapco signing even more weird. Um, it depends how serious they are and how serious they think he is about joining them about Jude Bellingham, because if you if you're in a situation where you think you've got a legitimate shot at Jude Bellingham, I think you have to. You have to do that because you're talking about a guy who can he can be your, the heart of your midfield for the next ten years, and he's also the best out there on the market right now. That's so, going to really really interesting, isn't it? Because if you've got two midfielders of that quality, both going for like hundred mil or whatever, both different sort of players. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with both of them. Yeah, and if I'm Liverpool, I'm. I'm looking at that. I'm looking at that Henderson slot and the need for energy and the need for everything that Jude Bellingham brings. And I'm thinking to myself, that's a more serious. I'm more seriously in need of an upgrade here than I am over Fabinho, who I do think has missed a step. No, I agree with that. I do agree with that. Yeah, it's just if you'd asked me like last year about the market for Declan Rice, I, I, I think we were talking like real stupid numbers. I'm not sure if we're talking the same level of real stupid numbers. And then going, moving it back to West Ham for a second, I think where you... Crikey, was that excited about Declan Rice <laughs> moving to Chelsea? Um, but yeah, obviously, and throwing Enzo Fernandez into the mix as well. We didn't even mention him coming off that World Cup. You're going to have... You're going to have Fernandez, Rice and Bellingham all out there uh, in the same summer. Everyone's going to be trying to sign them probably in the same summer unless Enzo goes in this window. So it's that seems to be, noise seems to have quietened down a bit on that, doesn't it? No. Yes, I'm uh, guessing it's, they're, all going to be, they're all going to be summer jobs. And if, if that happens, then. But I mean, Chelsea signing in Kunku, aren't they as well? That just becomes a lot of money. I'm sure Chelsea have got it, but I, I mean, Chelsea, I, I, think, I mean, can is Kante ever going to be in a position where he can play a lot again? No. So no, we're you looking at Chelsea. twenty games a season? I mean, yeah. yeah. I think there's um, uh, Declan Rice is an absolute no-brainer for Chelsea because their midfield is just it's in such a bad state that they need. He's exactly the kind of player that they need. The Enzo Fernandez noise for Chelsea. I th- don't get me wrong. Enzo's a really good player from what we've seen in the World Cup. He's played 80 professional games. He's net and international cl- football. It's e- an easier game than the Premier League. We've seen it all the time, and that's a lot of money to play on a guy who's not proven. Whereas if you're them and you're looking at Declan Rice, you're like, yeah, it just makes sense to do it. And that's what West Ham will know. And that, again, swings around about so that strengthens their negotiating position. But I would expect whatever money they get, they're going to go the Gareth Bale approach in that they're going to try and replace them with quality players across the board. And that is Hopefully probably that is they the, can do it what they should do. Yeah. No, yeah, definitely is. Yeah. 
don't go and buy Enzo Fernandez to replace Declan Rice. That's what we're saying. <laughs> don't Could you imagine Enzo Fernandez on the David Boys? Yeah. That would be a sight, in fairness. I'd quite like to see it. If Moyes is still there, of course. West Ham could be playing championship football and then their leverage is gone. Yeah, it's really tough, actually. Um, Luckily, there's lots of shite teams in the Prem this year, so they've got a good chance to stay up. I, yeah. I mean, I can't see them going down, surely. But... Have, we, have, have we... No, we're a bit all over the place now. Welcome to the podcast. Um, we haven't really talked Cody Gatko. Um, obviously, we thought he was going to United. Um, as to whether or not he would have actually been good for United is a different matter. But the Liverpool move came out of nowhere and it doesn't feel like a clean fit to me. And when you can see, when you see all the noise coming out about, from Liverpool about, oh, we might not have the money for Bellingham. I'll finish what he was going to say. <laughs> uh, it, it does seem a bit of a strange one. What do you think, Ross? Yeah, um... I I don't I don't understand it because when, when they're fully fit, Gakpo likes to play off the left. Although I know he has played down the middle. You're going to have Diaz, Jota, and Gakpo all trying to play off the left. I, I'm assuming they're going to try and have use Gakpo through the middle as well when Nunez isn't playing. But clearly, I mean anyone could see that central midfields where if they've got money, that's where it needs to be spent. And I get not not using it. I know Klopp's always saying they don't want to just rush and make, make a signing because they, they need someone and they want to sign the right player. But that doesn't mean if you've got money available, you should then just chuck it at someone. I mean, a wide forward, probably not what you would say Liverpool needed. Does that suggest that Diaz and Jota are both injured for longer than they originally thought? Possibly, but and it's still a pretty short-sighted... Diaz is. Yeah, still a pretty short-sighted bit of business if, if I mean do you believe what they said about how much money they've got as well as the other thing right Klopp just what a company man Jurgen Klopp has been just coming out with that it's incredible isn't it well I think you were saying stuff this week about I, I don't know was he comparing them to Arsenal with how much money they've spent and Liverpool have spent more than Arsenal over the, the same time period he chats some gas he really does I, I actually do believe what they're saying about the money because it's Liverpool and Liverpool, Liverpool spent a lot of money. They've also taken a lot of taken in a lot of money. They are team net spend. So I actually believe him when he says that they're sort of limited on the the budget side of things. And it makes they're the, also up for sale. Yeah, that's true. So you never know. You never know if the owners want want to spend loads while they're also trying to sell this thing. Well, they say, well which is funny because then they did just buy Gakpo. But they're in, they're in a really weird situation with the Liverpool sale in that. Apparently, they could be bought outright if a right offer comes in. But FSG are apparently just also looking for just investment and enables them to invest in the team. So it's a bit like United where I'm like, are you up for sale or are you looking to hold on to your asset, but you want someone else who's going to come in and give you a bit of a bump? It's similar to a bit what happened at Arsenal a few years ago when um, was it Kroenke had someone else alongside him for a little bit. Yeah, it's it's that kind of thing. So I don't really know how to re- know how to read the sale at Liverpool, and clearly they're buying players. I just think the Gapco signing is weird. I'm sure, he's a good player. No, I do think he's good. But Not position of need, I wouldn't say. No, 
it's definitely yeah. Ross Ross was saying it's it's not their clear need, but is there is also an argument of getting good players at, at quite a good price and just and stopping United from getting him. I don't know if that factored in. It's straight out of the Man United playbook, isn't it? That one. <laughs> so <Right>. Alexis Sanchez. <laughs> But yeah, Sanchez and Ronaldo, and they both worked out just phenomenally for United. To be funny, we've talked about Alexis Sanchez on the podcast. Well, supposedly other people were after Nicolas Pepe, weren't they, as well? I'm not sure I believe that one so much. I think that was Liverpool, wasn't it, I think? No, it was no one. Well, if it was Liverpool, they were smart enough not to buy it. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they were quoted more than 12 million. They were like, no, no, no. Listen to last week's part if you want to hear our uh, verdict on that transfer. Not good. <laughs> okay, um, should we wrap it up there? I've got nothing else to talk about this week. Ah, he's left <laughs> off the Chelsea chat. You love it. Oh, God. Oh. Let's talk about him. Oh. So is it the building that Brighton are in that's, so, that, that makes, that's causing the magic <laughs> down there? Because if, if they're taking the front office with them, with Potter They have Chelsea, taken the front office with them. They've bought well, two that, of them. That's what I'm saying. So now they need to move the building somehow to Chelsea. It's not Stamford Bridge. It's Damex Bridge now. <laughs> Damex Bridge. <laughs> I feel so sorry for Greg Potter. <laughs> like, I yeah, you know feel... the key the key player might be. Uh, Danny Welbeck, get him in. You, need a you, know, like, you know, we weren't sure about Ralph Hasenhutl and then they brought in this... This other bloke from Luton, yeah, whoever, whatever his name, I can't even remember his name. Nathan Jones. Nathan yeah, and he's Jones. he's going to be out the door by next weekend. <laughs> look forward to him in our end of season review. Yeah. <laughs> look forward to our awards for him. So, Jeez. so now it it makes me think that Hassan Hoot actually was a decent manager. He was. He was good. So, is it, how good was Thomas Tuchel? <laughs> really I good. Chelsea fans chatting about Tuchel. Really good. In the city game. I think, like, uh, the two cool, the two, look, the, newsflash, the award ceremony at the end of the year, which is also not really an award. There's a couple of things in there. Like, Hold signing on, Hold on, are... I've just got a Sol Campbell, if you would like an award, <laughs> please get in touch beforehand <laughs> so we can give you, in fact, no, we won't give him one and then he can do like a Jimmy News. Video, yeah. <laughs> About not getting an in the round part of war. We might have more viewers in GP News. <laughs> uh, yeah, but when we get to the awards or the other awards at the end of the season for stupid decisions and uh, managers and things, the Thomas Tuchel want to be in there. The sacking of Tuchel's bizarre. We when we did our when we did our pre-season predictions, I was like Chelsea aren't good. However, they've got like the third best manager in the world, so they'll be fine. And they sacked him. So, <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> so what are you going to do? Uh, but he was so good because he was like, right. He came in, he saw that the midfield wasn't good enough. And he was like, right. And they were, and they were struggling to defend him. He was like, right, I'm going to devise a system where I cover, I reduce the amount of space that they have to cover. And, we get Kante to cover all the rest of it. And lo and behold, they look really good. Uh, and then Kante got injured and his wing-backs got injured. They didn't look so good anymore. Um, now you've got Potter who's come in and Potter's got a particular way he wants Chelsea to play. And he's obviously been told, this is a project and we're going to stick with you for as long as possible. And um, yeah, that's where we're at. 
which is fair enough. If you if that's what you want to do as the owners, and that's the what you're putting forward, that's what you do. But you get days like this. I mean, I don't know what people are expecting to happen against City in that, in that second game after the injuries happened in the first one. I mean, you look at who Chelsea were trotting out there compared to who City were trotting out there. It's always going to be tough for them. Yeah, City's depth is a joke, but also, well, since since James and Chilwell haven't been playing for for Chelsea, they they've been like just dreadful, haven't they? They it's crazy how much they miss. Those I don't. Two. I I think James and Chilwell's the one everyone talks about. I think it's Kante. Wait, well, but Reese James when it, when he's not playing, you can notice the difference straight away. Kante, yeah. obviously. Yeah. yeah, I think. Kante's a big miss because there's just no other legs in that Chelsea midfield. Well, the no. thing with Kante, there's no one else around at all. No like. one can replicate that. No. Like, we're talking about an all-time great player. But it's like, it is, it is mad that it is mad that Kante's been injured for most of the season. He was injured for a lot of last season, likewise with James. And James and Kante are Chelsea's far and away their best players. And they're just out all the time. And everyone sort of wants to judge Graham Potter on it. And I'm like, I'm sat there going... City have a better squad than us when everybody's fit. We've got 10 players out and they're like, these two games are what are defining the season. The, the more worrying result for Chelsea was the Nottingham Forest one. That was way worse because it showed you everything that's wrong with Chelsea's midfield is that they can't create any chances for anyone in front of them and they've got no athleticism or anything about them. It's stopping it the other way. So if you're a Premier League side... You just set up with the power and aggression to sit in a low block and then counter with pace, and you're going to get a result against Chelsea every time. That was the worrying thing. The City games are like, like Mares would play every game for us. Anyone can get panned four like, 0 by City. Anyone. Yeah, I mean it wasn't it's a no good shame performance. In it really. it no. wasn't a good performance at all. I mean, and the one nil they actually played quite well in. Um, yeah. But yeah, City were pretty poor in that game. Everyone wants to talk about Potter being under pressure. I'm like, well, this is where you, this is what you get. Like, it's I'm I'm looking at it in a way like a bit like Arsenal a few years ago, where I sat on here and I said to I said to you guys, I don't think Arteta is it, mainly because I hadn't seen him do it before. But clearly, it's been proven that Arsenal were right to stick with that project. If you're Chelsea and you're committed to this project then you've got to be, you, at this point, you've actually got to be committed to it. And I'm not saying you ever get to where they're at now without significant changes and significant finances, but you've got to stick to your long-term plan. And the the solution is not buying players like Marcus Turan for eight and a half million because you think to yourself, that's a good deal and it'll help us in the short term. The short-term thinking is what's got you to this situation where you're falling further and further away from being an elite club. You have to take was- short-term pain. Yeah, that Marcus Turam thing is such a Man United of the past it 10 is, years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really that's is. never worked. And he's probably on, what, a two, three-year contract? Because you'll sign him. He'll, he might do all well for you this year, but then next year when you buy a real months. striker. But yeah, yeah he's, he's gone. Gonna be Nkunku's nothing. coming. Yeah. So then what, where is he then? Yeah, exactly. Well, but it's, I mean, the Nkunku thing as well. Like, Nkunku's a good player. Don't get me wrong. Nkunku is a good player. And I think he is a better player than Werner and Havertz were, ever were when they came to the club. And Chelsea's attack needs a massive technical uplift. It needs technical players in it. I think Nkunku offers that. And Nkunku and Sterling is a third piece away from being really good. But it's just, it's that short-termism. Like, 
apparently they're getting Jao Felix in on loan, which I do like because a loan is you're just paying his wages. You've got nothing to lose. It's He's costing more... 11 million for the loan. Yeah, it... they're not just paying his. They're paying his wages plus 11 mil for six months. That's not great. That's, That's... why United didn't want to do it. Well, least, even though they were in on for Toram, you've you've got Toram. But is is actually having Turan better when he sat on your books for God knows how many years? No, it's not. That's the exact point I was trying to make about the Man United thing. Is that yeah, United are in the the market for Valt Vegorst on loan for six months, but at least he won't be on he's, our books anymore after six months. And, and so I don't really care. And I'm kind of like I, that's where I'm at with the Jao Phoenix thing. I didn't know it was 11 million. That's not. That's not great finances. But if you can get a talented player in through the door that probably helps you solve a position of need and it doesn't affect your long-term planning, then I'm all for that. I mean... He's good. I'd, I would have liked him at United. And the thing I is... Have, I would have taken him at Arsenal too. The thing, the thing is with him, Chelsea lack a player of the profile that's going to take someone on and can sort of play a pass. And if he's going to give you that for six months, particularly given that we don't know how long Sterling's out, it makes sense, and it's so much better than Turam, just because it's the Turam signing is a Bamiang all over again. Like, Bamiang's finished at Chelsea. Yep. Potter, Potter doesn't want him. He wasn't good enough, and you bought him because you were panicking in the summer. Like he, he just can't. He's just a. He, he just needs to be on the end of chances. He can't give you anything. Yeah. Build up. But this goes back to the whole Chelsea. Chelsea needs a striker. Chelsea needs a striker. Thomas Tuchel's Chelsea needed a striker when they were making chance of the first season where they were creating XG after XG after XG and they just needed someone to tuck away the chances. Chelsea, the last two years, don't need a striker. They needed a Rafinha. They needed someone else who was going to offer them something different in the front three that could actually create something, can occasionally pop up with a goal. That's what they needed. I mean, I know Jao Felix is a bit more of a striker than Havertz, but he's still not like a number nine sort of player is he no no I, I just the only thing with that is I do think he's a good player but I worry it's just going to be a bit more of Havertz-esque stuff when he, he doesn't really want to be up there he's not supposed to really be up there but he's and I don't I agree I don't think I don't I don't think this will solve much it will at least give you a better options than the options you've currently got which is True. I think where we're at as for Havertz Havertz, who works best when playing off a, a striker, has um, never had that playing for Chelsea. And we want to sit here and judge him on how good a player he is. I just... No, I agree. I think uh, to, I, I, if, I were, if I were Kai Havertz's agent, I'd be like, cut our losses and let's move on. Because you're going to be fucking brilliant for Juventus in two years. Is is there a director of football at Chelsea now? Or is it or is Todd still doing everything? Isn't it isn't it Brighton's director? No, there's um Joe there's a there's a couple of it's there's like six or seven people who are they, are they having the Leipzig guy? Isn't that what what's No, they they've got basically Mike, they've got a, they've got some form of like committee is essentially what they've got. Cause, yeah, because some of these transfers just don't seem like the Brighton way at all. No, the ones that make sense, the ones that make sense, the ones that I sort of look at and I'm like, okay, that makes more sense is the buying of like Fafana, not not Wesley, the other one from Mould, and the buying of the guy from Vasco da Gama and Chukayemra in some way where they're doing... Yes, those are the exact, those are yeah. the exact 
sort of things that Brighton do. And they're you doing can do a, it on a better scale with Chelsea. And, well, that's what they've done with this Benoit Badish. I'm butchering his name. Apologies, Badi Ashley or whatever. In that he's exactly the right profile for what they want, and they've spent a bit of money on him. That seems to be they're starting to do that. But again, these things take time. So it's there's going to be some pain. Is what I'm trying to say to you. And I'm I'm in for pain. Love stay the pain. course, Todd. Stay the course. Yeah, yeah I've been. There. Otherwise, if if you don't stay the course, it's going to be really bad for a while. And this is my thing, like. With Potter, do I think, would I rather have Tuchel? Yes. Yes. Would I rather have Tuchel? Yes. Would I rather have other managers than Potter? Sure. I liked Graham Potter's Brighton. I thought they played good football and they did it in a way that was in was good, was just good to watch. And they did it with young players, giving them a chance too. That's the thing I would like Chelsea to be. So I'm willing to just... I'm willing. It sounds really entitled to say I'm willing to have a few bad seasons after <laughs> historically successful in my lifetime. But this is what it is. This is how football's going to go. You just think it's bad with the good. His Brighton didn't always have like a technically good central frontman, and they were pretty good. I guess they struggled to score goals sometimes. But like Danny Welbeck was playing through the middle for them. All joking aside. No, that's true. I don't know. I just it seems like Brighton could do it with still like Brighton's got less talent than Chelsea have got now, and they still looked better. I don't. Obviously, but, Chelsea have got injuries and whatnot, but they're still a better team on paper than what Brighton were. Well, no, absolutely. But the difference is between the differences between Brighton and I keep going back to it is Brighton had that Brighton had a base like it was Basuma and then it was Caicedo. We're talking about a midfield in. Jorginho and Kovacic, one of whom's a good player, but they're just not up to a Premier League level. And then, well, not that sounds harsh. They're not Premier League. Jorginho in particular, they're not suited to the league. Like he's going to be an excellent player in Syria, an excellent player where it's a, you, there's less you, there's less running you have to do. There's less physical people. You're not facing a Suchek every week like you are over here. And until they can sort out that, until they can cover that ground, you just you're dead in the water. Yeah, they, they, yeah, they just have to stick to the project. I don't think sacking Potter's the well. It's clearly not the answer. And that if they've moved the whole front office to Chelsea, they're not gonna. They shouldn't give up this quickly. They really shouldn't. They, they clearly have the vision. And what's he the? Wasn't he the owner of one of the ever baseball teams? Dodgers. Oh yeah. If they're anything like them, they're going to be a powerhouse in a few years, and we're all. <laughs> but, but this is this is my thing about Potter and the new, the noise around Potter. Is Potter under pressure, or is it because it's Chelsea that we're all playing connect the dots? I I don't think he's under pressure from the owner. No, I don't think he is either. But it's, oh, I don't but it's whether so. all fans are as smart as all Chelsea fans are as smart as you are, Will, and that's the because if the fans turn, then it gets real tough to not sack him. No, it's very easy to not sack him. I mean, Chelsea have got Chelsea have had years of not listening to the fans. Like, I mean, <laughs> they can really do it when they need to. But I mean, yeah, I, I suppose you, if you look at Arsenal, obviously Arteta was an ex-Arsenal player. Potter came in with a way more managerial reputation than Arteta did, and they stuck by Arteta. And I think 
Arsenal's Arteta's Arsenal at one point were worse than what where Chelsea are right now. And like we looked awful, and they sort of stuck with it because Arteta had never had a job before managing. Yeah. So and Potter has had a Premier League job and been good in a Premier League job I think, before. I don't think he's under pressure at all. I don't. No. And but I I I think there's an element of I think there's an element of the media, and I hate to sound like. Queuing on when I say the media and things like that, but I do think there's an element of we've been here before, so let's sort of we know what Chelsea do. Well, here's your chance to prove that you are a little bit different and you want to build something sustainably, um, which I do think they will do because the whole reason the whole reason you got rid of Tuchel is because you wanted someone who could lead a project. So here we are, and also if you want to go and hire someone. Having sacked some, having sacked two managers in six months is not going to get you uh, a good candidate. So. Yeah, I mean, you'd think the only reason I could, well, yeah, having sacked, as you say, having sacked Tuchel, surely that means to go for Potter that they're going to give him the time he needs to turn this around and get the players that he wants and whatever. Yeah. Surely, because you wouldn't have got rid of Tuchel otherwise. If you were going for like win right now, yeah. you just wouldn't have swapped it, would you? And and to go back to Potter, and I know it's 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 an injuries kind of thing, but I, it's very hard to judge a manager when he's been dealing with a bit of an he's been dealing with injury issues, and we haven't seen him have his full team for a long time. I mean, he started off at Chelsea with like a what like a ten game unbeaten streak, till he went back to Brighton and the front office. So we, he has had moments. I mean, he beat AC Milan, a good side, home and away. Like he has shown that he can perform it's just a case of they're going through a bad run and when they get their players back they'll look a bit better let's see what he does with N'Golo Kante can he can he give him new legs like I mean this is what we really need that's that's what Kante really needs to be fair yeah. is Kante's contract up yeah but he's going to resign because he's realised that he hasn't played enough football Mm, so Kante Kante on a pretty favourable money free. deal here, and then he comes back in. That yeah, pretty, pretty tasty. Yeah, one thing I will say about Chelsea: if they give Jorginho a new contract, they are not a serious football club. Because, mate, there's a whole section of Chelsea fans that think Jorginho is really good, and I don't know what they're watching. I, I, <laughs> for the life of me, like, like I grew up, I grew up on Mikel, right? And Mikel, Mikel, and people at the time hated Mikel. Mikel, twice the player Jorginho is. He had, I'm not joking, he had the same range of passing, the same creativity, and he's just better in every way. But these, and, uh, but people love Jorginho, I just don't get it. He's, and Chelsea cannot offer him a new contract, because if there's a player that's, a symbol of the mediocrity that they've slid into is Jorginho. He's a disaster. Have you sure, seen a lovely that, bloke, but a disaster. Have you seen the rumours that Liverpool are going to offer the Ox and Cater uh, new deals? Oh, my God. Oh, I, oh, I can't believe they're going to offer Oxford Chamber new. I get it a little more with Cater. Oh, yeah, but... I get it with Naby Cater, but... I did wear the Oxford Chamber to be playing the last That's played like three games all time for Liverpool, I swear. That's the Juan Mata last United deal. That's what that is. Where you just sort of give it. I mean, you. Well, Ox hasn't done much for Liverpool, has he? I miss Juan Mata in a United shirt, I've got to say. You miss him. Should have given him another one. 
Every time I watch a stodgy low block against Chelsea, I miss one matter. Is he retired or what? Or is he playing somewhere? Yeah, still like playing. Fenerbahce. I think he's bold too. No, he didn't go to Fenerbahce. He did. Oh, he had to go to Turkey That's not a one matter club. That sorry guys. <laughs> no, I can see it. He's just on the on the banks of the big river over there. He's just eating turkey. He should be partnering Enzo Fernandez at Benfica and just having glasses of red wine every night. That's where he should be. Why don't you just come at home, man? Like if. If you want to play on the right wing and be slow and just be very left-footed, I mean, I'm happy to replace ZH for you. I mean, you're a better player than ZH ever was. You said that a bit more in American sports, don't you? Where players will come back into their career and start like a one-year deal. Just to, just to retire play, here. Yeah. Let's do it. Come on, Juan. Come on. Sell well, a few I'm, jerseys. I came back on loads of Arsenal. One of my favourite things. I don't even want him to sell a few jerseys. I just want him to write his blog for us a few more times, you know? Omri is came back to us playing about four games for us. Is Hedrick Larson still available? So if he fancies to go up top for United, I would take him over Veghorst. Ross, um, Madrid? And Martial. Madrid. Do you know anything about him? He put off by the price? Uh, yes. Like he looked good in the Champions League games that I've seen him in, but I don't know, was that two or three games or something like that? Like no way I'd pay I'd pay that for no shot because you can't pay pay that much of him and then not play him start him at least and he he likes to play off the left so like I can't see them replacing Martinelli I just can't see it he may well be a better player I'm not going to pretend like I know enough about him but I'd be surprised if they wanted to sign him and then. They're sticking Martinelli on the bench as well with Smith Rowe. I can't really see that myself. Like 100 million. Ludicrous. Ludicrous price. That is big money. Weren't Chelsea interested in him? Well, I, I thought Chelsea were going to come and hijack it, to be fair. Justin, I don't believe any transfers about Chelsea anymore. <laughs> Like they're linked with everyone. Like surely they can't be looking. They can't be. I keep reading. They're like, oh, they're sending scouts to look at this PSV wing. I'm like, how many scouts do we have? Like they're everywhere. Like this is definitely Guillaume Balaguer's wheel of fortune. Honestly. <laughs> also, I'm not one to get nervous about transfers. As I've established, I don't really care. The Nkunku deal, right? The Chelsea Fabrizio Romano says it's done. The Chelsea journalists say it's done. All the noise out the club says it's done. Why? What? Why isn't it not announced? It's it something. It's something to do with um. Like he's got a release clause, hasn't he? Yeah, but they've paid more than that, apparently. Yeah, ju- just to. <laughs> well, they've paid more than that to avoid to avoid having it. Basically, right. This is what they've done. They've paid more than the release clause now to secure the deal as opposed to having it be open season in the summer and have other clubs who might have Champions League football coming in and buying it. It is what it is. They haven't announced it. Yeah, it's, it's a bit strange, isn't it? Uh, like, Liverpool are going to come out and sign him now, so they... Like, United. That would be so funny with their plethora of attackers and they still <laughs> haven't signed a midfielder. They just extend Oxlade, Chamberlain and Cater instead. Yeah. <laughs> they just play out. They're like, oh, Klopp's just coming out going... You know, I think if we play Cody Gapko at left back, it really frees up Milner to go into midfield. 
play Andy Robertson in midfield then? Maybe they could play Trent. A Trent Robertson pivot could be something. I would be interested. Like it's one of the big reasons why they need to play such a workman-like centre midfield is because they're full-backs, Bob. I would be interested to see what a Liverpool team looks like without having to do that. Anyway. Anyway, this is this this therapy session is now over. Um, <laughs> we're not buying a player from Napoli ever again. Like people keep wanting us Aussie to go back in the summer. No, people keep wanting us to go back to Napoli, and I'm like, like they're like, oh Chelsea are interested in the left winger with the absolutely unpronounceable name. Like I look forward to seeing people trying at that one. Um, no, like you can have Mbappe playing for Napoli. And he could be available for two pound, and I would still want Chelsea to stay clear. Like, it's just any time we go near Napoli, disaster, disaster. Get here, right? Let's go. We've got to get Mike out of here. He's got he's got football to play. Who? What, where in the league are you playing tonight, Mike? It's not high, I don't think. It's, it oh, should be a win. Good stuff. I'll, I'll get back to you on that. Yeah, I'm gonna get inside people's heads. No, I don't need to on a Monday. <laughs> it's gonna be nice to the refs tonight, Mike. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm lovely I'm lovely to all the refs. You know Mike is actually supposed to work for the respect campaign, bro. <laughs> Glad to see that to be fair. Yeah, yeah they're second bottom, yeah, we should hammer them if they didn't turn up. We'll come back to you next week, ladies and gentlemen, with uh, for an update from Mike. But in the meantime, Mike, if people want to follow you. Uh at Mikey Breslin on Twitter. Ross Bird, if the people want to follow you. At Ross underscore Bird 14 on Twitter. <laughs> For more takes about Saul Campbell. Uh, and you can find me at Wilhunt17. You can find Dave at Dave Harris underscore 44, or you can find him in your local garage. Um, <laughs> if you've got any questions you want to fire to us, it's in and around pod at gmail.com, or you can send them to us on all the socials in, where we are at in and around pod on everything. And until next time. Sayonara.